Hi, my name is Regina, and I am one of the pastors here. If I have not had an opportunity to meet you yet, um, that is because I actually just recently got back from maternity leave. Um, I have a five-year-old little girl named Evie May and now have a almost five-month-year-old named Eliza Hope. So it has been so good to be back serving with you all here, and I'm so glad to be here preaching um, with you for the, for the day. Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, you who are my strength and redeemer. Amen. I remember that when I was a little girl that I took notice of things that didn't seem quite right. I saw the things that were right, but my mind gravitated towards seeing things that didn't seem as they should be. I grew up in a military family and spent a fair amount of time overseas in my childhood. I was born on Guam and raised from the ages of two till I was six in Italy. I spent just a short amount of time in the United States in California and New Mexico before moving to Panama in Central America. When I was 11, my dad retired and we moved to a small town in Alabama before finally settling in New Orleans. Now, I say all of that to you to say that I had a lot of places and faces that I had observed. I had a lot of opportunity to take notice of things that didn't seem right. I'll never forget that when I was about nine years old, I was observing a small community that we would drive by just outside the military base. Small shacks clustered together with a water system in front of it, and the water brown as dirt with small children playing and women washing their clothes. That didn't seem right to me. Why did I have crystal clear water in my home just 10 minutes away? That same year, my mother took me to a vacation Bible school, and one day we passed out toiletries to native Kuna Indian women. As a child, I thought, why did we have access to these things and these beautiful women did not? Additionally, the church we went to planned a Christmas party each year for a local orphanage, and the children would come, and Santa spoke in their native tongue and gifted them toys. Why did these children not have a home or parents, and I did? As I grew in my love for God, I felt a rumbling in my soul that I was supposed to do something. I was made to seek to make things right. I prayed and I wrestled with how God desired for me to live that out. What does it mean to serve and serve well? How do you serve? Who do you serve? I imagine that a lot of us ask these same questions. And I think that there are so many things in our world that are not right that we shield our eyes. It's too much and the wrestling too great that we simply do nothing. That's not a criticism. I see it all the time. We are trained to unsee the need. I've always called it paralyzed by passion. We've been on a journey the last few weeks learning about spiritual pathways. We've discussed fasting and prayer, worship, studying God's word, solitude, and you may have already guessed that today we are studying service. As a pastor of outreach, I could talk on this subject on so many levels for a very long time, so I had a hard time collecting my thoughts or organizing where to even begin. But what I know to be true is that when I cannot organize my thoughts, God can. So I opened my Bible and looked to Scripture. The Bible has a lot to say on service. 
as I read through scripture, I was able to break down service with answering a few questions. Who, what, where, when, why, and how? I'll answer them a little bit out of order, but these five questions can lead us to know a little more about the vitality of practicing this spiritual pathway and creating a pattern of service within our lives. What is service? This one's quite simple. Service is love in action. An act of service is an offering of to someone or something. It is a giving of ourselves. So why do we serve? We serve because God tells us to. It's an act of obedience. All over the Bible, God commands us to serve. It isn't an option. I'll take us through some of those places intermittently throughout the Bible. At the very beginning, top of the scene in Genesis 1:26, one of the first verses in the Bible says, Then God said, let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Then in Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 13, it says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good? And then in Joshua 22.5, but be very careful to keep the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you to love the Lord your God to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commands, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. And then John 12, 26, whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. There's a simple song that I used to sing in children's choirs. We love because God first loved us. Love isn't stagnant. It requires a response, an action. God loves us so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross and then brought him back to life so that we could have eternal life in heaven. And God said in the very beginning, hey, humans, I'm giving you this entire earth and you are in charge of taking care of it, everything in it. We are commanded to seek to make right whatever is not right. So that brings me to our next question. Who do we serve? Ephesians 6, 7 says, Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. 1 Peter 5, 2, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. So who we serve has two layers. Plainly, we serve God. That may seem a little like semantics, but our prompting in service is really important. I seek to make right the things of this world that are not right because God told me to and because God loves me. God gives me my marching orders. God gave us all our marching orders. Go and serve my flock. You serve God, not people. And you can serve God by taking care of God's people. We don't do it to feel good about ourselves or to remind us how blessed we are. We do it because God requires it of us. So really, we serve God, but God calls us to take care of it all. The widow, the orphan, the foreigner, the sick, the lonely, the hungry, the unhoused, the incarcerated. I could continue on, 
And so when we come back, so we then we come back to a point that I made a little earlier, those needs are too great. I can't address them all. That's too much. Part of my job at a previous church was overseeing a child sponsorship relationship that we had established with three schools in South Africa. I was in Howick, South Africa, small town, meeting the local sponsorship coordinator uh, for coffee overlooking this gorgeous mountainside. I said to her, this land is so gorgeous, it is hard to believe that so nearby the students from our schools live in the conditions that they live in. The coffee shop that we were in looked just like any coffee shop that you might go to here at home. And she agreed, and I asked her what it was like growing up in this community that our students lived in. And she, um, I asked if she'd always served uh, these students, and she shared that she hadn't. She prompted me to look out over the mountainside. She told me that if I looked hard enough, I could see the beginnings of the homes of the students that we served. I never knew, she said, that there was this level of poverty in my community because I'd been trained to not see it, to look past it. You have to open your eyes to see those homes. It's no different here at home in Mount Juliet. We serve the people in our community that we've been trained to look past, but we have to open our eyes in order to see them. And also, we don't have to do it all individually. We do it collectively. We individually are not responsible for it all. So that leads us to our last three questions, how, where, and when. Romans 12, 6 through 21 says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How do we serve? We were not created to address every single need in this world by ourselves, but we were all call called to respond in some way. I believe that if every follower of Jesus lived into the ways that they have been particularly called by God to love our world, that we would see God's world restored more and more each day. The love of Jesus moving through people has the opportunity to create a ripple effect that would blow the doors off of this building. One of the most commonly used Bible verses on service says, what does the Lord require of you but to seek justice love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. There is an ancient uh, Jewish quote that says, seek justice now, love mercy now, walk humbly now. You are not obligated to complete the work, but you are not free to abandon it. All of the wrongs of this world do not lay solely on your shoulders, but you are required to do something. What is that something for you? I cannot tell you, but I can tell you that it is something. And my something may not be your something because God created us as unique puzzle pieces that belong together. And all put together, we paint the picture that God intends for this earth. My friend Lindsay started coming to Providence shortly after I started serving as a pastor here. 
her life was changed in this space. She was baptized here. She entered a small group. God's love washed over and healed her here. A few weeks ago, she signed up for our Habitat for Humanity build, doing construction on a home for a resident in Wilson County. She'd never done that before, but because of the love of God within her, she is now seeking to pour out that love to others. We had dinner a few nights later, and she said, that was not for me. I don't think that that's what God has called me to do. We talked a lot about it because if she hadn't taken that step to serve, she would not have known that that was not for her. She signed up for our serve day that happened yesterday, helping to furnish a safe room for children entering foster care at the DHS office in Wilson County. She's creating a pattern for herself to discover how God called her uniquely to serve. We serve by starting somewhere. Where do we serve? Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Just as you are not called to address all the needs, you will not be called to all the places. However, within a church community, I do believe that as a body, we should be seeking to serve our neighbor near and far. The Bible verse in Acts gives us a roadmap for who God desires for us to serve. We are to serve in Mount Juliet, in Tennessee, in the United States of America, and the world around us. It's why we have relationships with the Mount Juliet Help Center, which provides food and utility services for people in Mount Juliet. It's why we partner with Compassionate Hands, who serves the unhoused community in Wilson County. That's why we partner with Trinity Community Commons and Project Transformation, teaching kids to read in the greater Nashville area. It's why we had a relationship with the Native American United Methodist Church and Community Center in Clinton, Oklahoma. It's why we partner with organizations like El Porvenir, providing clean water and reforestation for the people of Nicaragua. And it's why our eyes are open to whom else and where else God may lead us. We can't take on a spirit of only caring about our own backyard. God's people, God's children that he gifted to us to care for stretch across the globe. So the answer to where is everywhere. And finally, when do we serve? I have a tattoo here on my right wrist. It's a paraphrase of a verse in Proverbs. It says, God who knows our hearts and souls holds us responsible to act. I used to tell my niece and nephew when they were little that it simply means if you see a need and you think you might be able to help, you should. We serve when we know there is something that is not right, and so we seek to set it right. We know that there's a problem, and we seek to address it. And I believe that this verse also means that God, who knows us so very well, will tell us when we are to serve. Not every need is ours to address. I think it's important to study the how and when to serve. There's a, a great book called When Helping Hurts or another one, Toxic Charity, that are great reference points for when to serve because sometimes our greatest of intentions can actually inadvertently do damage. Throughout the course of history, Christians have missed the mark on how they have engaged in mission work, and that will happen. I've been part of serving that has been so deeply good 
And I have also been part of serving when I, where I look back and I go, that, that actually wasn't our problem to solve, nor was it how we should seek to solve it. We can honor the pathway of service by getting to know the people that we are serving, by creating a mutuality that doesn't separate me and the person that I am serving from one another, but a togetherness. Instead of seeing the people we serve as other, we see them as brother or sister. And when we do this, we create a pathway to dive deeper into God's intention for service in the world around us. For example, just as my mother and I gave toiletries to the Kuna Indians in Panama, there's an opportunity there for us to learn from them also. We can learn about a culture and a way of living that's different from our own and allow that to show us more of who God created us all to be. Because we are all made in God's image, we all take on differing traits of who God is. Through seeking to serve, we can broaden our community and we may also be served in the process. So my challenge for you is twofold. One, ask God to give you eyes to see the people that you don't see. And two, ask God to prompt you on where and how to respond. We have so many opportunities here at Providence Church for you to be a part of our service to others across the world. No act is too small. God calls us to it all. If you're curious about talking more about how God created you to serve in this world, I would love to get together for coffee, have a conversation, meet here at the church. I'll close with a story. At that BBS in the middle of Panama when I was nine, I asked my mom when we were supposed to serve. I know I won't get her words exactly right, but she basically said, when you want to see the heart of God, serve. God will meet you there. So I say to you, whenever you want to see the heart of God, serve. God will meet you there. God loves us so much, and God is waiting for our love for God to be so great that we have no choice but to step into the spaces and places that need us. The world needs us to show the power of God's love through our action. It's too lavish a love to hold on to, and there are people desperate to experience it and share it with us as well. I leave you with this prayer. In the name of the Father who created us, the Son who redeems us, and the Holy Spirit that lives and breathes in and around us, guiding us, guiding you. Amen.